0: Take your Bible this morning, turn to Acts chapter 13. We started into this chapter last Sunday looking at the anatomy of ascending church. What makes a church send people out? I thought churches were supposed to just get people in and get as much money in the offering plate as they could and build the biggest building they could and buy their pastor a Cadillac, right? <laughs> no, unfortunately, we see some of those things in our world today, but that's not why God created the church. God gave us a mission. That mission is only accomplished as we equip saints to do the work of the ministry, yes, but then as we send those saints out into the harvest fields that the Lord has for us to accomplish His work. So this morning, I want you to think about these questions. First, why send? Why would you send somebody out and then maybe personalize the question even more, why go? Why should you go? What's your motivation? We've seen what the anatomy, what makes up Ascending Church. It's a church made up of diverse people from all kinds of places that are united around the work of Jesus Christ. We've seen in the church at Antioch in chapter 13 there in Acts, a church that was motivated by the work that God had given them to do. We saw a church that was faithful to that mission that God had called them to do. But then why should we go? Why should we send? What does God have for us? I don't know about you, but as I look out at our world that we live in today, there's a lot to be discouraged about. A lot of things that we see around us, whether it be corruption in the halls of power, whether it be struggle in our families and situation whether it just be that guy who annoys you at work every week, whatever it is, there's a lot that we can be discouraged and frustrated about. For some of you say, well, it's not the guy at work, it's the person I live with. It's my children. It's my spouse. There are a lot of things that can capture our minds and capture our attention. And yet God is very clear in His Word in the purpose that He has for every one of us to live out. So this morning, we're going to look at chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 all the way through verse 12. If you were here last week, you said, well, we looked at verses 1 through 3 last week. I want to get us a running start here. So if you were here last week, you're going to get just a bit of review. If you're here just this week, you weren't here last week, you'll get caught up with us. But either way, let's jump in this morning. Acts chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says, Now there were, in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Solution. From thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the island unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. His name literally meant son of Jesus. That's what he called himself which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elemas, that was his real name, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. As we looked at the church at Antioch, as this church, and we see some of their leaders mentioned in verse number 1. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. All of these men came from different backgrounds, different educational levels. In fact, one, it's mentioned even his skin color. They called him Niger, Latin word meaning black or dark-skinned. Why does Luke take time here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to highlight all of these differences for us? It's because it wasn't their differences that united them, it was the work and Word of God. They were united around the work of Christ, the work of God. They were different places, different people from different places. It wasn't based on personality, it was based around the Word of God. Unfortunately, too many times today, we come to church because of a particular personality or because of a particular preference. My friend, our church needs to be united around the Word of God. But I'll say this this morning, when you have a group of people united around the Word of God, In time, there are certain things that begin to look similar about them. You say, well, this morning we're all wearing Hawaiian shirts and lace. That's not what I'm talking about. You see, when a group of people study the same Bible, they study the truth of God's Word, when they unite around the gospel work that Jesus Christ has given us the opportunity to do, when they are filled by the same Holy Spirit, while certain things may be very different, there will be other things that become very much the same. You know, a husband and wife have been married for a long time. People say, tend to start looking like one another. Isn't that funny? Why? Because they're eating the same kinds of food, usually. They tend to start to smile similarly. They tend to do the same things and go the same places. Sometimes, as I've seen with couples in our church, you can tell that clearly the wife helps to dress the husband and that's why it looks so sharp. And so they, they tend to match as a family. There's all kinds of things of why couples tend to look alike after time. But the same thing could be said of a church. However, the problem is sometimes we get the cart before the horse. We're looking for other people that look just like us rather than trying to point people who look nothing like us to the same God that we serve. Because the hope for America, the hope for your family, the hope for you is not found in getting everybody to dress like you or do the same things that you do. The hope is found in Jesus Christ and the work that the gospel can do to transform your life and to make you a new creature. You don't need a new outfit this morning. You need a new heart. You need new priorities, yes, but those priorities are changed because of the power of God at work in your life. Not because somebody said, well, this needs to be the first and second thing. Here's how you should spend your money. Here's where you should go. Here's the kind of stuff you should eat. Here's the kind of stuff that you should wear. Here's and we spend so, many time, so much time on these issues, and we forget the reason that we're unified is not because of all that. It's because of what God has done in our hearts and lives. We looked at last week how God uses all kinds of people from all kinds of places. My friend, God can and he will use you. I was encouraged this week. I spent some time, went over to see one of our friends in our church, uh, Brother Larry Boyd. he has been very sick, just got over COVID, being in the hospital, still trying to get his strength back. And he said it was so encouraging to actually be able to spend time with a person I haven't been able to see anybody. I went and sat in his living room for a couple hours and we just talked about what the Lord is doing, about what God's doing in his life. And afterwards he said, you know, he texted me last night and said, Pastor, send me a list. Maybe he's watching this morning. I don't know. We we spent some time trying to figure out his computer. I'm kind of part-time IT help desk support and pastor. So we did a little bit of computer setup. So Larry, if you're able to hear us this morning, good morning. If you couldn't figure out all that computer stuff that we were doing, I'm sorry. I'll try to come back and help you another time. That being said, he called me and he said, Pastor, would you send me a list of people in our church that need encouragement? People that maybe are sick and can't get out of the house because I can't leave yet, but I have enough energy. I want to at least be able to talk to somebody. He said, I was so encouraged because my church family kept calling me and sending me cards and encouragement. He said, I know I didn't respond to everything. I just felt too sick. I didn't even feel like talking on the phone. But now he does. So, Larry's probably going to hate me for doing this, but call him this week and and let him know that you care about him. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Now he may be like, Pastor, what did you do to me? Now my phone doesn't stop ringing. I'm just encouraged to be in a place where there's different people from different places and God's using them to do his work together. Why? Because we can be united around the person and work of Jesus Christ. The church at Antioch was able to do great things Not because of who they were, it's because of who they served. And it was because they were united around the Word of God. If you're here this morning, and you came for whatever reason, but you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know we're united this morning, not because we all came in the same car or looked the same or we'll leave going to the same place. It's because of what Christ has done in our hearts. The Bible says this very clearly, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that includes Simeon called Niger, that includes Barnabas and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean. this guy who grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. He was a, a playmate or a, a schoolmate with Herod, this man who went on to do all kinds of wicked things. Even Manan and Saul, the guy that stood by and held the coats as Stephen was being stoned to death. And then he himself went on to kill other Christians and imprison them and to do all kinds of horrible, despicable things. And yet God saved him. They're all part of the world that God loved. And so are you. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, that's Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting is a really long time. It's never ending. It's eternal. It's forever. There's a lot going on in our world, but my friend, this world is temporary. Your life is a vapor. It's here for a little time, and then it's going to vanish away. You have a few moments to use, to do something productive. What are you going to do with your life? Why should you go? Why should you sin? Well, we're united around the work and word of God. We see secondly about this church, and we looked at some of these things last week, they were enthralled with the glory of God. The Bible tells us in verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, They were there together, worshiping the Lord, ministering to the Lord. They were fasting. They were willing to give up food so that they could pray more. As they were doing these things, as they were worshiping God together, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work, whereunto I have called them. The church planting movement that came out of Antioch started with the church at Antioch worshiping God together. They were so encouraged and so excited about who God was and what God had done that it motivated them to go out to scatter and to share the good news. Now this morning, some of you, when you leave church, you'll be like, I'm going to take this thing off and I'm going to put on some more normal clothes before I go out to eat. Why? Because you're like, eh, it only makes sense if you're here. Some of us, when we come in tonight, I'm going to, we'll probably have some big straw hats and goofy things going on. Why? Because it only makes sense in the context of vacation Bible school. Or if you go to Hawaii or something over there on vacation. But what is it about you? What is it about what you do that motivates you to want to be different on purpose and share the gospel when you leave this place? I believe we'll only be faithful messengers and ministers of the gospel if God has done something to change us on the inside and to encourage us with His glory. As we see who God is and what God has done, it motivates us to say, you know what? I know I have struggles, I have problems, I have difficulties. I got challenges. Everybody does. Or the excuse of all Americans, I'm just too busy. Well, Welcome to the club. We're all busy. But what helps us move past all of that? It's the worship of God. It's the fact that the more we get to know Him, the less we want to take our eyes off of Him. The more we walk with Him, the more time we want to spend with Him. We say, I can't even go through a day without spending time with my Lord. You see, a witness, a true witness, is motivated through true worship of God. God hasn't put us here to be comfortable. God hasn't put us here just to have a good time. We have a lot of fun doing it clearly some of you look like you're having a great time this morning i haven't seen so much color in church on a sunday morning and we're going to have a blast tonight and laugh and goof off with the kids and we're going to share the gospel we can have a great time doing it but god didn't put us here just to have a good time he put us here to share the message of jesus christ this morning as we sit here in church maybe you've been watching some of the olympics or some of the things going on around the world Every time I see those things and people, the the parade of nations and all the different things, I think about all the people around the world that have never heard of Jesus Christ. You know, this morning, there's some 950 million Hindus in India alone, most of whom have never heard the gospel. In the Middle East and Africa, Central Asia, 1.5 billion Muslims. Yeah, there's a lot you could be upset with them about. We could be upset with Saul for a lot of things too. But God loves them. Jesus died for them. How shall they hear without a preacher? Who's going to tell them? Who will go? Remember what God said to Isaiah? As Isaiah saw him high and lifted up in the temple, he was worshiping God, and he was motivated to go and share the good. He said, Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me. This church was united around the Word of God. They were enthralled with the glory of God, and as they're worshiping God together... The Holy Ghost speaks to them and says, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. We see they were directed by the Spirit of God. If we want to be directed by the Spirit of God, we looked at this last Sunday, if we want to be directed to go where the Spirit leads, we have to be walking in the Spirit. say, well, how do you do that? You walk in obedience to what God's Word tells you to do. You have no direction and no leading of the Spirit of God if you're walking contrary to or in disobedience to the Holy Spirit's clear direction through the Word of God. God speaks to us through His Spirit, yes, but He speaks to us first and foremost through His Word. And if you're not willing to be obedient to God's Word, don't ever expect to be led by the Spirit of God. It's so easy to have big blind spots or excuses or things that we just say, you know, I I like this part of serving God, but I don't like that part. So God, why don't you give me all the blessings, but I'm only going to obey you halfway. No, God wants all of us. That's what the living sacrifice means in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Well, you can have this part, God, but not that part. No, as they were worshiping God together, God said, separate me out Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. They were directed by the spirit of God. We see fourthly, they were surrendered to the mission of God. You don't see a church here that then had to sit around and go into a business meeting to figure this out. This was a church that just said, all right, let's pray. Let's fast. Let's make clear that this is the will of God. And then let's send them. Go! Get out of here! Go do what God wants you to do! But notice who they sent. They sent Barnabas and Saul. Now, what relation did Barnabas and Saul have to the church at Antioch? Well, they were there. Well, if you look back just a couple chapters in the book of Acts, when God was doing His work to initially start the church in Antioch as Jews and Gentiles were both being saved and growing in the Lord, The church of Jerusalem heard about what was happening in Antioch, and they sent Barnabas. Barnabas, who we know is an encourager. He'd already encouraged Saul. Barnabas had already been an encouragement to the church of Jerusalem. So who do they send? They send their best guy. They send Barnabas. He goes up to encourage the church at Antioch. When he sees what God is doing, and he's teaching them the truth, he said, I see all these Gentiles getting saved. I know the guy that God has called to reach the Gentiles. Let me go get Saul. And the Bible tells us in chapter 11 of Acts that Barnabas goes to Tarsus for to seek Saul. He gets Saul. He brings him back to Antioch with him. And they spend over a year together teaching the church in Antioch. And through that, the Bible says lots of people got saved and the church was encouraged. So they've spent this year or more now Teaching the church at Antioch. And to me, it seems like as this church is growing, as they're being encouraged, as they're reaching people for Christ, we saw their faithful ministry and evangelism and all the things this church was doing. Clearly, they were discipling and teaching people so that they could grow in the Lord. They say, You know what? God has called us to send and to continue the mission of the Great Commission. It's Jerusalem, it's Judea, it's Samaria, and it's to the uttermost part of the earth. Well, who are we going to send? Well, what about the two guys? that God sent to us, Barnabas and Saul. Now, when we read this from a biblical perspective, we're reading it from the perspective of somebody who knows the end of the story and sees how everything works out, and it clearly was the Holy Spirit's leading. But I just wonder, were they sitting in a prayer meeting and all of a sudden they heard a voice, send Barnabas and Saul? Now, maybe they did. The Bible doesn't tell us clearly. It just says that the Holy Spirit said, send Barnabas and Saul. Did he come in an audible voice? Did he just impress upon their heart? And you say, well, I don't know if we can see things like that today. To me, this makes perfect sense, though. Here's two guys that God had sent to teach this church and encourage this church. This church is growing. This church is faithful to do what God has said. And now as the Holy Spirit's encouraging them to stay faithful, it's clear who the two guys are. The Holy Spirit made it clear, but it, because it was the same Holy Spirit that had brought them there in the first place, and, and the Holy Spirit had used them to encourage them and teach them, so it made sense that the Holy Spirit would want them to go on and continue to serve Him somewhere else. It just made sense, and it was clearly what God had led in the first place and how God would continue to lead. Now, it may have been more than that. I'm trying not, not trying to minimize the work of the Spirit this morning, What I'm saying is God's Holy Spirit is working in a path that makes perfect sense to us because we can see it from the end. But sometimes when you're in the middle of it, Barnabas and Saul, those are our best guys. Those are the ones that came and taught us. How could we send them out? Well, God had provided some other leaders by this point. Linnaean, he stepped up. Simeon, he stepped up. Lucius. He stepped up. And so Barnabas and Saul, it's time for you to go. Now, it's interesting to note where they went. The Bible says in verse 4, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed to Seleucia. This is a little town. All right, I got a map, and I'm going to have to point at it so you can see what's going on here. Okay, if you're looking at your map, whatever screen you're looking at, the yellow here at the very bottom is Jerusalem. Straight north of there is Antioch. This is on the Mediterranean Sea. Now, it's a little bit shifted because of the way maps work. So Antioch's actually a little bit on around the corner if you look at a globe. But on this map, it looks like it's straight north. Antioch's here. This is where the first missionary journey starts out from. They ride down to seleucia which is right on the coast here of Syria. Then they take a boat to Salamis. That's the island of Cyprus. And then we'll read about another place in our story this morning, Paphos, this other city on the island of Cyprus. Now, do you remember? I know I'm calling on all your Bible trivia this morning. Do you remember who in this story, we've already read five names of those five leaders in Antioch, who was from Cyprus? Barnabas, that's right. Now, again, The Bible's not telling us exactly all of the things here, but I just find it interesting that when God calls these men out to go and to continue to spread the gospel, where does Barnabas go? To Cyprus, his hometown, his home island, where he was from. Isn't it interesting how God takes the place you're from, the experiences that you've had, the talents that He's given you, and he uses those in his work to accomplish his mission. Don't despise where you've come from. Don't look down and say, well, my past, God could never use that. We will see later on in our story in Acts how God uses Saul, later Paul's experiences, because of his training, his education, even the fact that he was a Roman citizen. He uses all those things to accomplish the work of the gospel. God's using Barnabas, who he is, where he's from. See, all those differences that we talked about said, that's not what we unite around. We unite around the work of Christ. God still uses those differences to accomplish his mission for his glory. I just find it interesting that Barnabas is from Cyprus, and that's the first place they go on their mission trip. You see, this church, these people, they were surrendered to the mission of God. They were willing to send out their best. This church has something to teach us. What if the success of a church is not determined by how many people come into the building, but by how many people leave that building to take the gospel to this community, and to this world. There are a lot of churches that may be full of people, and we love to have a place full of people, but if we don't go out to do anything to make a difference in this world, then I would tell you our church is not a success. It's just another of many clubs. What if the most important number in a church was not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity? see, I believe our church should not be measured as successful not by how many people that come in here on a Sunday, but by how many people go out from here to share the gospel on Monday. It's easy to measure our success based on different metrics in a church, right? Well, we saw this many saved, this many baptized, and we're thankful for those things. We praise God when He changes somebody's heart. But those things don't just happen by accident. They happen because somebody go went. Somebody shared the good news. And while we love to see those boys and girls learning those songs and growing in their knowledge of the Word of God, well, that didn't happen by accident. Because a parent or a grandparent or a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, a junior church leader said, together. Hey, be quiet. Stop hitting your friend. Oh, okay. Sit still. Pay attention. All right, let's sing together. Jesus, right? How did that happen? Because somebody intentionally went and did what God wanted them to do. The success of a church shouldn't be measured just by the number of people sitting together in one room. It should be measured by how effective we are at taking the message beyond these walls even into our community. That should be why we send and why we go. Now, most of what I just said to you is a review from last Sunday. So I want to get with you, though, to verses 6 through 12. Because as... Barnabas and Saul are going out in the ministry that God has given them to do. They're even bringing along this guy, John Mark. He's their minister. He's kind of their assistant. He's there to help them in the work. It says when they'd gone through the whole aisle, so they started there at Salamis. They preached the gospel in all the synagogues there. And then they traveled through the rest of the aisle and they make it to Paphos. This was kind of the... The capital, if you will, of Cyprus. It was where the seat of governmental power was on the island, and there was a man there, on this in this city, and his name was Sergius Paulus. He was the proconsul of the Roman government. He had been put in that place by the Roman Senate. He had been appointed there to oversee all of the workings of the island to make sure that taxes were collected, and that roads were being built and maintained, and that, you know, the the law, rule, rule of law was taking place, and that basically the Roman government was able to function there on Cyprus. Now it's interesting because this man, Sergius Paulus, he hears about Barnabas and Saul, they're going everywhere sharing the gospel, and so he called for them and he said, I want to hear the Word of God. It says he desired to hear the Word of God. It's interesting that that's what he wanted to hear from Barnabas and Saul. I think he wanted to hear the Word of God because that's all they had been talking about everywhere they went. The Bible tells us that's what they were preaching in all the synagogues at Salamis. And now they make it to Paphos, and, and the head guy on the whole island says, I want to hear what they have to say. Now, clearly, the Holy Spirit's at work in his life, us and Saul are being faithful to what God has called them to do. They're sharing the Word of God, and together, God is going to work in this man's life. But there's a problem, and this problem has a, has a name. In fact, he has two names in our passage. One is Bar-Jesus. It's kind of the name he gave to himself. I'm the son of Jesus. Think about it in that time period. Jesus has already died. He rose again. He ascended back up into heaven. But the stories of his miracles have probably traveled around. And people are thinking, wow, he, he healed people. He brought people back from dead. Those stories are still traveling around out there. And so this guy, wanting to get himself a place of importance and get in good with the Roman leader there on the island, he comes up and he goes, yeah, you've heard about Jesus, the miracle. Well, let me tell you, I'm the son of Jesus. The Bible tells us he was a sorcerer. That word is the same like a a magician, somebody who was tricky, who could do magic tricks, somebody who was even maybe being used by the devil. We even see that the way Saul addresses him in just a minute. Because instead of calling him son of Jesus, he calls him the son of the devil, the child of the devil, right? There's a big contrast there, by the way. Do you see this here? The work is going well. The church has sent them out. They're preaching the gospel. It's good. It's great. But then they run into this guy. You know, every time it seems like that you try to do the right thing, you will probably face some kind of opposition, especially when you go about to share the gospel. See, this man, Bar-Jesus or Elemas, he had gotten in close as an advisor to Sergius Paulus. And so when Saul and Barnabas went to share the gospel with Sergius Paulus, he resisted them. He said he withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. There's a very important thing in that phrase. It says he withstood them, But what was his purpose? To try to turn the deputy away from the faith. Understand this. When the devil is trying to resist the work of God, when somebody else seems to be standing in your way and you're trying to do right, you just feel discouraged and you say, nobody seems to care. People are just saying mean things. People are resisting me. Nobody wants to serve along with me. Listen, God has a work for somebody else. God is doing a work in somebody else's life let me encourage the BBS workers for a minute. This week, you're going to get tired. You say, get tired? I'm already tired. But you know what? There's a work that God wants to do in boys' and girls' lives this week. Yes, you may feel like there's something withstanding you and standing against you trying to do the work. It might be your own internal struggle, or it might be something from outside that just seems to be crushing you down. And it almost, you just want to take it personally sometimes. So, you know what? I'm going to go over here and have myself just my own little pity party by myself. Woe is me. My life is so hard. Your life may be hard. We fight against not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh definitely is weak. So you're a VBS worker, I want to encourage you. God has something for you this week. And God has something for those boys and girls that are going to sit in your class. They're going to work on your crafts. They're going to sing your songs and eat your snacks. So I just can't do it. No, you can't in your own strength. Maybe you're a man, you're, you're a woman, you're this week, you got to get up early and get dressed and go to work. And the people you work with don't love God. (laughs) Your boss definitely doesn't. And everything that they say and do just seems to be resisting you trying to do what's right. I remember working in sales and you get the invitation every day. Why don't you come after work? Go out with us. We're going to go have a good time. No, I'm not going to go. What are you going to do? I'm going to go home and see my wife. Well, that's boring. Well, not for me. But listen, there are times you say, I just want to be able to hang out with people, I just want to go do what everybody else is doing. I say, Well, I can't do that, I can't come to that event. I'm gonna be out at a church service. I've got something this week I'm supposed to be at, I can't do it. I'm teaching VBS. You I mean you're working with little kids? Why don't you do something more, more exciting, more important? I say, Well, well there's nothing more exciting. But you know as well as I do, there are days you just get tired and say, I wish somebody would take care of me. I wish my life was a little bit easier. I wish I had some more comforts. See, they stood against Saul and Barnabas. This man, Elemas, he withstood them. But what was his purpose? You say, well, they're just coming after me. No, when they're coming after you, if you're doing the work of God, they may be coming after the messenger, but it's really because they don't want the message to be shared. He says here, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. This guy could care less about Barnabas and Saul. All they were were messengers of the gospel. Often the person that's withstanding you really could care less about you. If you're doing the work of God, they just don't like your message. They say, well, don't kill the messenger. Well, they often do. Just (laughs) read your history book. A lot of the messengers didn't fare too well. Listen, that's why, you're, that's why you have the hope of eternal life. I'm not saying you're going to die at VBS this week. I'm just saying you might get, I hope nobody dies at VBS this week. I'm just saying you might get tired. Things might be difficult. But God is good and God has a work for you to do. And understand when that, when that attack comes, the devil's just trying to distract you from being able to do the work that God's given you to do in someone else's life. He withstood them but it was his purpose to turn the deputy away from faith. So what does Saul do? Well, he's also called Paul. And by the way, from this point on in the book of Acts, he's referred to as Paul. You see, Saul and Paul, Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Gentile name. God called Paul as a minister to the Gentiles, so that's why he's known as Paul from this point forward. But it says here he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he set his eyes on him. Why was Paul, all of a sudden, filled with the Holy Ghost? Why did the Holy Spirit do this work in Paul's life? I can tell you, I know why. It's because Paul was intent on fulfilling the mission that God had given him to do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know where the power of God is? It's in the gospel. Paul wrote himself in Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first, and God has his work, and he gives his power to enable us to do that work. If you want to experience the power of God, get busy in the work of God. you feel like, well, I just don't feel the power of God. Get busy in the work of God. God doesn't give us power just to do whatever we want to do. God gives us power as we do what He wants us to do. He set His eyes on Elemas, on Bar-Jesus, and He said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou, not son of Jesus, child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And then the Bible tells us that Saul said that God's hand was upon him and he said, you're going to be blind. And that's exactly what happened. Immediately. There fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. So picture this, right? Here come Barnabas and Saul. They walk in. They're trying to minister to Sergius Paulus. Paul and Paul, right? They're bringing the light of the gospel. Here's Elymas. He's withstanding them. He's trying to keep Sergius Paulus in spiritual darkness. He's not sharing the gospel. He's trying to promote the work of Satan. Saul looks at Elemas and he says, you're not going to be able to see. He goes from physical light to physical darkness. Meanwhile, the Bible tells us that Sergius Paulus is so amazed by the power that God has over this man who was clearly very tricky and could do all kinds of stuff to amaze people. He was more amazed by the power of God. The Bible says he believed. So a man went from spiritual darkness to spiritual light at the same time that a man went from physical light to physical darkness. You see, God, when he comes in, he can bring light to any situation. He said, well, there's no hope. There's always hope with the Lord. And I think it's interesting, too. God didn't make this man, Bar-Jesus, blind forever, just for a time. You know why? Because I think Jesus still loves people like Elamus, Bar-Jesus. Wicked people. And it's interesting, too. It says he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. It, it, get the picture again. He has... He's blinded. There's, there's a group of people around. You've got Sergius Paulus. You have uh, Bar-Jesus. You have Barnabas. You have Saul. Probably there's a few other people in the court. This is, this is a busy Roman court there in Paphos. And he gets blinded. and everybody just steps back. Oh, I don't want to be around this guy. He, and he's just looking around. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. He's seeking for somebody, to lead him by the hand, stumbling around. Oh, it just makes me think of the world that we live in today. So many people need somebody to lead them by the hand and lead them to Jesus. This man rejected him, and God caused temporary blindness for him for a season. But at the same time, God saved Sergius Paulus. You see, a church that is serious about spreading the gospel will face serious spiritual warfare and opposition. You may not face a guy named Bar-Jesus, but it might be somebody that you know. It might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody that you meet at work or at school who wants to withstand the work of God. I want you to know God's bigger than that. This this verse is not normative in that it's not telling us to go around and cast blindness on people that we don't like. But I think it's teaching us that God is able to overcome any spiritual opposition that we may face. The power comes as we're faithful to fulfill the mission that God has given us to do. Why go? Why send? Why send? There's a a world out there that needs Jesus. God has equipped us. He's empowered us. And He sent us out to this world. I was just thinking back over the month of July. It's hard to believe it's already August 1st. It feels like August 1st, but it's hard to believe that we've made it this far into the year. I was thinking back just in my own life, and maybe you can think through your life in the month of July. We had a close family member pass away in Shandy's family. We had to make an emergency trip to Michigan for that. We had to go on a couple of camps with young people from our church. We had a had a young man come visit from up near Virginia, Washington d c. was praying about coming to Houston to plant a church. We had a great Fourth of July outing on the third of July and we're in mud up to our ankles and running around there. We've had some of our dear church members get very sick. Some of you have had family members pass away. We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen people baptized. We've seen people added to the church. It's been quite a month in the month of July. As we've looked at our world, we see it now, right? We have rising cases of of Delta variants going on. We have people afraid and people nervous and people that are sick. We see all kinds of things coming down from the leadership that we have in our country and in our world. And at the very least, it's frustrating because there's all kinds of mixed messaging going on. So what do we do about it? I don't know about you, but as I thought about all those things, the good and the bad, I thought I told Shandy yesterday, I just wish the Lord would come back really soon. Coming up before the Supreme Court, Caleb just shared this with me this week, there, there's a case dealing with abortion again. There's briefs being filed, people trying to push our Supreme Court, I think, in the right way to make abortion illegal. We ought to pray to that end. We ought to work to that end. There's going to be elections coming up next year again, big ones in our country. We're already talking about a presidential election and we just finished the last one, and what a mess that was. You ever just look at the world and say, what are we even doing? I think all of these things, while well, they matter, the corruption in our world can sometimes get us so discouraged that as Christians we just want to kind of hunker down. And there aren't many churches like the church at Antioch who want to send and have people that want to go. They say, hey, just give me a safe place to hide out. Listen, we want to be a refuge. If you're hurting, God's word has the answers. But as we get encouraged in the word of God, God calls us to go. And Shandy sent me these verses yesterday. She didn't write the whole message, just this part. She sent me some verses that were an encouragement and I wanted to read them to you. From Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says, Fear not. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have. Give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I love. this city. I love my state. I love my country. And I think that's why when we see the struggles around us, it hurts deeply. Because in a sense, we have some treasure in those things. And it's a place where we felt like it's, it's worth putting our treasure. But I want to encourage you this morning, don't put all your treasure in in what takes place in our country. Lay up treasure in heaven. say, well, how do you do that? Well, be obedient to God's great commission. He says, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning and ye yourselves liken to men that wait for their Lord when He will return from the wedding that when He cometh, and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Not discouraged, not sleeping, not hiding, but watching, ready and busy, preparing for the master's return. It's like a master went away and his servants continue to work, continue to watch, continue to wait for his return. And it says, and if he shall come and, and verily say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Isn't that a beautiful picture that the servants who are ready and working when the master returns, that the master will make the servants sit down and the master will serve the servants? Did you know Jesus is preparing a place for you right now. You say, I'm tired. have been working hard. I'm discouraged. As I look at the world around me, I just don't know if it's worth it anymore. Keep watching. Keep working. Be ready. When the master comes, he'll gird himself, and it says, if he shall come in the second watch or it come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find So doing, of a truth, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Why go? Why send? Because we're working for something so much greater than what we have right now. God has a plan for your life. If you're discouraged this morning, if you're tired, as probably many of us are, the answer isn't that you just need a nap, even though you might. It's that we need to continue to be faithful and rely on the strength that only comes from God. Yes, coffee helps, but it goes away. The Holy Spirit is a powerful, unending resource in the work. He is the motivator behind what sends us out as a church and as individuals to do the work that God has for us. Would you pray with me this morning that God would continue to do His work in us, that we would go and be the church that He wants us to be? Would you pray and ask God this morning to show you in your own heart what part God wants you to have? Maybe you just need encouragement to continue in the part He's already given you, but what part God has for you in His work? Yes, Barnabas and Saul went out. But Manan and Lucius and Simeon, they continued faithfully serving God right there. And God continued to do his work. Barnabas and Saul continued to travel and people got saved and churches were started. And this is only the first of three missionary journeys recorded for us in the book of Acts. And it's the beginning of that movement that took the gospel around the world. And we're descendants of that today. Just think what God could do through you and me as we're faithful to him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You. Thank You for Your Word. And I pray that You would help us this morning to examine our own hearts before You. Maybe the reason that we don't do the things we should is not that we don't know what's right or even want to do what's right. We're just discouraged or tired. Pray this morning that we would be encouraged that while, yes, the resistance is great and Satan is powerful, that you are greater. You have more power. You can do all things. Lord, this morning, if there's somebody that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that they would trust in you. Lord, the only way to make sense of this world is to realize that this world is broken because of sin, and Jesus has the answer. Help us now as we have this time of invitation. Lord, work in our hearts. Continue your work now in Jesus' name. Amen.